You are listening to episode 26 with Sarah Zink, owner and CEO of Sarah Zink Business Training. This episode is brought to you by Drop Counter. Hi, this is Samantha Villegas, president of Savvy PR. This is the podcast that is demonstrating the power of women in the water sector. It's water in real life with my friends, the H2 duo, Stephanie Zavala and Ariane Shipley. We're dedicated to sharing stories that demonstrate how communication and collaboration move things forward. If you want to overcome your challenges, then you have to build relationships. Each week, we bring you an inspiring person or resource to give you the tools to curate connections with your customers that create impact. So if you haven't noticed, we are fans of Drop Counter. Drop Counter is the water utility customer porter built with direct input of utility staff just like you. Drop Counter consolidates a customer's consumption, tier information, utility announcements and alerts, rebates, and more, all in one app, downloadable today from the Apple or Android App Store. Drop Counter helps customers better understand their water use, tier schedule, irrigation schedule, and more, which increases customer satisfaction and reduces your customer service call traffic, so your team can focus on what's important. Learn more about Drop Counter at dh2duo.com forward slash Drop Counter, D-R-O-P-C-O-U-N-T-R. The first time I really paid attention to emotional intelligence was when George Hawkins talked about it at the Imagine H2O Innovation Forum, and I was intrigued. So today we chat with our friend Sarah, who studies EQ, emotional intelligence, and the change management work that she does with organizations. So don't let the word emotions scare you. This won't be a rogue water rom-com. Building your emotional intelligence is actually key to growing your organization and most importantly, your own leadership skills. So there were so many takeaways, it was really hard to pick pick just a few, but we chat about uh, your lizard brain and its role in your response to fight, flight, freeze, or faint, ways to improve your own emotional intelligence, signs that someone else may be or yourself may be lacking in emotional intelligence and did you know that during the first 90 seconds to 18 minutes when something new gets dropped on you your adrenal gland starts going oxygen supply decreases to your brain and that your iq score can actually drop up to 30 points we were kind of blown away by that so check it out take some notes and without further ado let's get to the show Sarah Zink is on a mission to teach people how to discover and use their superpowers to be more productive, profitable, and powerful. As a multidimensional businesswoman and a multipreneur with a background in education, psychology, and community development, Sarah uses her education and experience to work with individuals, businesses, corporations, and municipalities across the country to increase effective communication, develop emotional intelligence, and escalate productivity. Sarah is an active consultant, coach, and trainer working with global clients such as Amway, Nexon Petroleum Energy, Pearson Publishing, and Texas Instruments, as well as local companies such as Texas Health Resources and the cities of Fort Worth, Arlington, and Mansfield, as well as many others. She is also a seasoned speaker, author, radio show host, and video blogger. She was recognized in 2015 as a great woman of Texas by the Fort Worth business press. So we are super excited to have Sarah because Arianne and I both had the pleasure of working with Sarah on uh, the Keep Texas Beautiful, I'm sorry, Keep Mansfield Beautiful um, committee? Board. Board. There you go. Sorry. (laughs) Take over the world group. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, we've had firsthand experience working with the Zinc. And so we're incredibly excited to have you on the show today and appreciate you taking the time. 
Well, I have to tell you, it's my pleasure. It was a joy to work with y'all and I miss you terribly, but I'm very excited for uh, the directions that y'all are headed and the, the vistas that you are now taking over. Well, appreciate you. <laughs> so um, at a water event that we went to that was hosted by Imagine H2O, uh, their innovation forum, we heard one of the water industry's thought leaders, George Hawkins, talk about this IQ-EQ equation and the importance of keeping that in balance in order to drive innovation. And so we're a very, very heavy IQ industry. So the like engineering, science, finance side of things. So let's start by you explaining to us like what exactly is the EQ side, the emotional intelligence side? So when we talk about emotional intelligence for the purpose of our discussion today, it is essentially your ability to understand your own emotions, to manage your own emotions, to be able to express your own emotions, as well as be able to identify, manage, and understand other people's emotions. Short and sweet. Short and <laughs> sweet. Yeah. So while emotions can be um, complicated, the definition is not. <laughs> Correct. That's right. And that's uh, definitely become a buzzword, a buzzword in our world. And I mean, I think in a lot of different industries, we've kind of seen that being thrown around. So why do you think that is? Like, why is it so important to the success of an organization? So let me answer the first question. Uh, when companies have to evolve, when cultures need to change, people clap onto buzzwords. They reach out and they say, okay, let's be more agile. No, wait, <laughs> not like that. Or they say, let's be more innovative, but we don't want to change how we do things. And so right now, yeah, you've seen it. <laughs> so emotional intelligence is a big deal because we are in a culture that is changing from how we used to do things to how we need to do things, hopefully. Historically, people just bottled it all up. There were boxes that we stayed in. Uh, you respected other people's opinion, even if you disagreed with them, and you just did what you were told as an employee. And as we move into the new culture of innovation, nimbleness, agility, we want to be responsive, and, and uh, new employees are not going to put up with that old culture of just shut up and do what I say. Mm -hmm. People... people uh, don't know how to manage their feelings. So it's a buzzword because we're recognizing the need for a culture shift. And this culture shift has to be from how we've always done things to what the heck are we doing now? And so I think that it, it, we have to make sure it's, not, it's more than just a buzzword. But I think your second part of the question was, why is it so, so important to the success of the organization? And I will tell you, in an organization that wants to be agile, in an organization that wants to change, or in an organization that wants to be innovative, there's some inherent components to that. Some of them are which, I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to say, why do we do that? Why have we always done that? Why don't we try this? How about that? Are you sure that's right? What if we, I mean, so there's all this pushback and, and our innate nature is when you question me, I'm going to become defensive. Right. There's an interesting emotional intelligence incorporates into it the concept of the physiology of our emotions. And so it's important to not overlook that. And I don't know, um, if you're going to ask this later, but I, I think it's important for people to understand at the beginning, the physiology of emotions is tied into our lizard brain. 
and that is a, a gland called the amygdala. Mm. And everybody has it. Uh, although it's interesting, research has shown that the amygdala in serial killers is smaller. <laughs> Ooh. Well, it's because the amygdala controls our responses to fear. Ah, it also uh, controls our ability to be empathetic, our right. ability to be emotional. Mm -hmm. And so if you're a serial killer, it's highly likely you're not feeling too many emotions. So I can back that up because I just saw a Netflix documentary that mentioned all that. See, there you go. I didn't know where she Netflix was going with that, and I was about to get concerned. <laughs> well, she, I can validate that. I, I was, I was really waiting for what comes next. So yeah, I like that. I like that answer better than the one I had in my head. Was, oh, you just never really know people, do you? Well, especially this one. Yeah, no kidding. Um, so the the physiology is such that we have this amygdala. So we're all, the three of us are having a conversation, and I put out there an idea, and you two come back and say, well, what about this? Or mm -hmm. oh, we've always done it that way. Why don't we try this new thing? Oh, wait, that's what you guys do. Hang on. <laughs> we've, we've been here, haven't we? Mm -hmm. And um, the interesting thing about the amygdala is it's the fight, flight, freeze, or faint gland. It works in conjunction with your adrenal glands. And so it's great if you're being chased by a bear or a saber-toothed tiger. Mm. However, in the workplace, the value of your amygdala response is, is greatly diminished. Mm. So because your amygdala doesn't know the difference between a threat to your ego and a threat to your body. Yeah. So what happens in the workplace is, it, is that if, if we're in, undergoing these changes, if we say, let's be innovative, if we say, let's be nimble and agile and try new things, well, that means a lot of change. People don't like change inherently. Even if you are a change junkie, it is stressful for you. Mm -hmm. um, secondly, we, we feel very uncomfortable when the habits to which we've become emotionally attached get threatened. Mm -hmm. And so emotional intelligence in the workplace is important because when that amygdala feels threatened, so a threat to my ego, again, is no different than a threat to my body, that amygdala says, oh my gosh, I need to fight, flight, freeze, or faint. Well, in the workplace, fighting, you know, I'm going to be defensive. I'm going to be argumentative. Flight means I just don't want to talk about it. Nope. Sorry, just do what I say. Yeah. Freeze means I, I may have a great idea, but you've challenged me and I can't justify it. I, my brain locks. Mm -hmm. And then the faint, of course, you know, that, that, that can encompass a variety of, of, of things, but mostly it's when people just back down and they shouldn't. Mm -hmm. And so when, when the adrenal gland starts kicking in anywhere from 90 seconds to 18 minutes, it is pumping adrenaline and, and all these other hormones into your body. So interesting things to know is uh, for that 90 seconds or 18 minutes, however long this may last, your, your brain doesn't think that you're, I'm sorry, your adrenal and um, uh, amygdala does not think that your brain is an important organ. Wow. So it doesn't, send, it doesn't send oxygen to your brain. Your IQ can drop as much as 30 points. Holy cow. And that's why you say really dumb things when you're mad. In the heat of the moment. <laughs> okay. You just stole my next line. This oh. is why. No, this is great though, because this is why after we have a, an emotional situation, we go back and we say, what the heck was I thinking? Yeah. You weren't. And I don't know about you, but I don't have 30 IQ points to spare. I do not. <laughs> I do not. I do not. So in the workplace, when people get upset, this is why emotional intelligence is important because you drop IQ points. You say things you don't mean. You, you make decisions that you later regret and not very many of us are good at backup. Yeah. So in order to be uh, an agile organization, in order to actually implement innovation, 
emotional intelligence is key. And, and so that's why it's important. So like if someone drops some kind of change bomb on you, are you like, do you drop it and say, okay, for the next 90 seconds to 18 minutes, we're all just going <laughs> to sit here. Like, <laughs> you know, wouldn't it be nice if it worked that way? So, so here's the thing. Uh, this is why I make a living doing change management is because it's such a big process because yeah. people, um, depending on your behavior style, depending on your communication style, your gender, your age, uh, so many things, your response to change is going to be different. Now, I will say, this is why as a manager, it's important to say, I'd like to have a conversation about this thing that we're thinking about. Most people think that they don't want to tell their employees what they're thinking about doing, when they're, and they just drop it. Hey, starting next Tuesday, we're going to do this thing. <laughs> right. And then they wonder why people are freaking out or not behaving. And they the old way of thinking is, I don't want to tell them because they'll get upset, and then it'll be all this discombobulation and that's not how it works in change management effective change management and effective um, innovative cultures you have to be able to say here's what we're thinking about and we'd like your input but I can tell you the work at the beginning you're either gonna do the work at the beginning or you're gonna do the work at the end yeah. so you're either gonna manage it at the beginning by letting people have their feedback and their say and you process because you know what you hired these people because they're smarter than you Hope so so yeah. why wouldn't you listen to them? I mean, yeah. it's amazing to me how as a consultant, people will yeah. listen to me. But if I was an employee, I would, I'd be an idiot. What does she know? Right. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's tied directly to emotional intelligence. So what you're saying is that effective communication is a key element of successful change management. <laughs> what? What? Yeah, that pesky I mean... communication. <laughs> so here's the thing. But in order for us to communicate effectively, we have to have emotional intelligence. And let me give you a direct example of that. In the middle of change, innovation, and again, bear in mind, when I'm working with companies, I can't make this stuff up. So (laughs) somebody will say, "Um, hey, let's be innovative or let's be agile. And somebody will come up with an idea. And then the very people who said, let's be agile, let's be innovative will say, well, that's the dumbest idea I ever heard. Okay, guess what? You have just totally trashed any innovative ideas anybody else is ever going to come up with. And that's because you were not effectively able to communicate your emotional response. So here's an example of a better way to handle that. You guys come to me with some crazy idea, which you are well known for. (laughs) (laughs) Which I believe is a benchmark of your working style. But you guys have some great ideas. You you have some great ideas, but you come to me and I've asked you to be innovative. I've asked you to think outside the box and you're doing it, but you're scaring me. So my emotional response might be, that is the craziest or dumbest or that is, that will never work. That's my emotional response. But as an effective communicator dealing with how I feel, a better thing is, wow, I can see you guys are really passionate about this idea and you honestly believe it'll work. I have some concerns, so I would really appreciate if you'd walk through with me mm-hmm. how you think this will work. Mm. See the difference? This uh, is this yes. Is Hashtag our boss for like two years. Hashtag, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Hashtag Arian and Stephanie rolling up in the office with seven points as to why we should like do this or not do, do this that. or not do that. <laughs> Yeah. And so, really, it, a lot of times we we as the innovators have to go to 
other people prepared mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. But that's because your emotional intelligence was such that after you got squashed once or twice, you were like, I'm either going to quit or I have to work around this. Well, you all are quitters, so you figured out how to work around it. I wish I had that um, that response in my back pocket for several times when <laughs> upper management was like, do this. And I'm like, oh, and I, and I, no, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, no, it doesn't work like that. Damn. Well, and this is why as we work on emotional intelligence, it's important to have these tools. Okay. When someone says this thing, I mean, you guys probably have heard me say it a hundred times. Hey, uh, it's a great idea. I need time to process it. Yes. Mm. And I, I say that when my knee jerk reaction is you want to do something different. I don't like the idea uh, or, well, it's not my idea. Mm -hmm. I, I don't want it. I want to do my idea. And right. so I had to step back and, and you have to nip that in the bud. So, so how do I know if I'm emotionally intelligent? I am so glad that you asked that question. <laughs> so um, are you saying me personally? Well, people don't realize that there's, there's actually some signs you can look for in other people. If people get really easily stressed out, um, people with low emo IQs are going to get, and look, we all have stress. It isn't about whether you get stressed. I'm like, it's about boxes right now. <laughs> so if you have low emo IQs, you're twice as likely to suffer from super stress, which can result in depression, anxiety, substance abuse, whatever, because you can't handle how you feel when stress comes. So you'll see the people who get in a kerfluffle over a schedule change. Mm -hmm. These are the people who have low emo IQs. And the thing, uh, the thing is, is that the people that struggle with low emo IQ don't even recognize it. Right. I feel angry. You made me mad but they don't even know what the root of that is. I'm stressed, but they can't even identify what it is. So one thing is easily stressed. The second thing is that they can't assert themselves appropriately. This is a disproportionate response. Either they're too passive or they're too aggressive, depending on how you are. So it can either be uh, you threaten my idea and I go nuts, or you come back and say, no, we're not going to do it. And I'm like, okay. So either one of those is low emo IQ. The third one is when you disagree with someone, they take it personally, or you correct someone, they take it personally. Mm -hmm. um, they're unable to listen. They're literally unable to listen to your point of view. So go back to the amygdala hijack. Mm -hmm. You have threatened me. My IQ just dropped 30 points. I'm fighting or I'm going to just walk away because yeah. I don't know how to deal with it. Uh, another thing, and this is this used to be when I my I, my emotional IQ is much higher now that I know what it is. Mm -hmm. It's not where I want it to be, but I'm, I'm much I'm much better now. Uh, but I used to be a grudge holder, and that is a hallmark of low emo IQ. Mm -hmm. This is um, not, and here's the interesting point: you can be a grudge holder with yourself. So you never forgive yourself for mistakes. Ooh. God, are we in therapy? I feel like I should pay you. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't afford me, but I love you. So I'm happy to help you. Um, but the thing, the thing about this is, think about it. Because I have low emo IQ, I don't know how to forgive myself. Right. And because I have low emo IQ, I don't know how to let go of it. And another one is explosive or, or emotional mood swings. So these are people who cry. They don't recognize the like cry at work. Now, don't get me wrong. It's okay to cry at work, but are you crying every day? Uh, and again, you should probably see a therapist if you have some of these issues because you, you may actually have a psychological problem 
or you maybe need to look at your job if, if it's an abusive environment because it isn't always just you. But in many cases, when you're so overwhelmed, you get angry, super angry, super, I mean, just totally wild responses. Another uh, hallmark of uh, emo low emotional IQ is that you don't even know what your triggers are. Mm -hmm. People around you do. Yeah, you know, yeah. don't don't question them. Don't interrupt them. Mm -hmm. Don't 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 judge them. Don't tell them no. I mean, there's this whole list. So you're easily controlled by other people, mm -hmm. and you don't even see that. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, people who have little or no ability to say no, or they have very little self-discipline or self-control. There was a very interesting study that was done with children, and and it actually played out as they got older. So you get, hypothetically, this is how it worked. You get 10 kids in a room, you tell all of them, you can either have a marshmallow or a candy bar now, or you can wait 10 minutes and have two. Mm -hmm. The ones who couldn't control themselves were like, no, I need it right now grew up and they measured their emotional intelligence and it, it, it was low. And the people who, the, the young children who could wait, developed a higher emotional intelligence because they were able to initiate some, they could see, they could weigh the options. Mm -hmm. But the, 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 um, the self-control plays out like this. You make me mad, I'm gonna blow up because it feels good. Mm -hmm. It feels good when I get mad. You made me mad and I don't like it. So we have these little tantrums. Um, also people with low EOMIQ can, can, now again, I'm not saying that this is a, an answer to everything. People with low EOMIQ can struggle with weight. Uh, they can struggle with alcohol. They can struggle with drugs. They can struggle with sex. These are not people who are true addicts, but they struggle with self-control with saying no to themselves, oh, saying no to other people. Right. And the last two are they're easily offended. No, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of offensive things going on in the world right now. And I don't like it when people say, don't be so easily offended. Well, there's a lot to be offended about right now. Right. But it's, it's not whether or not it offends you. It really is how you handle that. Mm -hmm. It's offensive to me when people do X, Y, Z. But what, how do I handle that? Yeah. Uh, but if someone gets offended because you interrupted them one time, Mm. that's a bit of a disproportionate response. And then the last thing, which goes back to the sociopaths and the, the low um, ability to empathize. Don't you love how I gestured at her? Yeah. <laughs> Those of you who can't see this. One that's of the sociopaths. I'm just a documentary watcher. Yeah. Um, they cannot imagine how other people feel. And I know that when we watch some of the political discourse that goes on, right. the inability to put yourself in someone else's shoes is another hallmark, uh, of, and it's 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 when we when we prejudge that we assume how someone feels, what their motives are, what their intentions are. We put we 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 cannot imagine how they feel. We push our own emotions on them. So those are some signs. That's how you can tell that you um, are lacking some emotional intelligence. Okay, so you showed me signs. Now, how to how do I? Um, grow my own emotional intelligence. What are some things? So I, I have some action items, but I have some habits. So I okay, can hold on. I have to tell the audience, the listeners, when Sarah Zink's talking, she always has action items. <laughs> She's the queen of action items. And I love it. You have trained me well. Yeah. Uh, well, here's, here's the thing. And this happens all the time. Uh, you know, you, you read a book and it doesn't really tell you what to do. It tells you what the problem is. It tells you, you know, 
some solutions, but it doesn't actually give you action items. Yeah. Or you go to a workshop and they say, okay, well, here's some things. Now here's your action items. I want to know what am I supposed to do today, right now? Right. And I think everybody, we, we fall into the habit of thinking, well, I went to that workshop or I read that book. Yeah. Well, if your life isn't any different from those things, then who cares? Yeah, it's like the problem with, you know, we keep looking on Google and searching and searching and researching and looking up things. But what are you doing with all this information? Are you doing exactly? Yeah. Well, it goes back to the buzzwords. Yeah. You can, you know, I'm, I'm working with some global companies and it's, 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 it's always uh, amusing to me how I hear companies say, well, let's be more agile. Let's be more innovative. And when I talk to the people on the front lines, they're like, well, yeah, that sounds really good, but I can't get past the way we've always done things. Right. And so we really have to have action items. And so how um, I would say some, some habits to build uh, include being curious. I, be, to me, being curious is the answer to everything. Uh, if you want to be more agile, be curious. If you want to... Uh, uh, that's, you know, our, <laughs> that's one of our core values. That's why I'm dancing. Um, <laughs> Rob Bartett, I remembered them. Okay. <laughs> I'll explain well, that later, Sarah. So, so kudos to him for reminding you to have that as a core value or helping you identify that. Because here's the thing that curiosity does for us. Curiosity demands... It, true, honest, authentic curiosity demands that we ask ourselves what else might be true. It demands that we say, what don't I know? Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to emotional intelligence, we tend to say, well, you know, Stephanie's acting like that because, well, mm -hmm. I don't know. So I might say to her, you know, uh, Stephanie, I'm curious. Help me understand how, how you think this idea will work. So being curious is one. The second thing is to learn what, what true flexibility is about. I think we tend to think that when we do things, if we don't do it my way, on my time schedule, in the way that I've always done it, then it's wrong. Mm -hmm. Well, flexibility means that we say, oh, we're curious. What else might be true? Mm -hmm. And so um, another thing is, a big habit and a big action item is you have to learn to label your feelings. And I sent you ladies a document that um, I want uh, you to feel free to share. Okay. But in it is there's a, there's a feeling wheel. And Dr. Gloria Wilcox came up with this thing, and, and it is brilliant. And essentially, statistics have shown that people who can actually label their feelings are like 67% more successful at navigating workplace change, dealing with relationships, and so being able to label your feelings. So let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. So for instance, you guys may make a suggestion about something to do, a, a different way to do things. And I'm, I'm angry, man, I'm mad. Zero to mad, 30 seconds, or 10 seconds, or however long it took you to tell me what your idea is. Mm -hmm. And so you made me mad. Well, so what if I ask myself, okay, really, that, do, that doesn't make sense. Why, why are you feeling angry? Well, then I dig and I dig and I'm like, well, I'm, I'm kind of hurt. And Well, why am I hurt? Well, I'm hurt because I'm really not hurt. I'm really jealous because they came up with a better idea. <laughs> or I'm, I'm hurt because they didn't talk to me about the idea. Or, or maybe I'm frustrated because I've spent all this time on this idea I know your idea is better or worthy of, mm -hmm. of talking about, but I, but what do I exhibit? Angry. 
But when I dig into being able to label my feelings very succinctly, drilling it down to what it really is, then I'm able to say, oh, I'm feeling selfish. And, and I'm feeling selfish because I want to do my, I'm like a kid. I want to do my idea. Yeah. So being able to label your feelings. So the first action item is to begin to learn to label your feelings. And when, and when you say, I'm mad, I'm sad, I'm scared, because those are the three big ones. Mm -hmm. Then keep asking, well, what am I scared of? Mm -hmm. You know, what am I sad about? And then we dig and dig. So that's one thing. The second way to develop emotional intelligence is to to develop the, the concept of delayed gratification. And it can be anything as simple from, um, you know, saying no to yourself about going out for lunch or no, I'm not going to have that dessert right now. Or no, I'm not going to tell them to shut up um, <laughs> or you know, whatever it is. But, but the delayed gratification, some people get great satisfaction out of losing their temper. Mm -hmm. So if that's you, then delayed gratification might be the answer. Um, again, back to being curious. But the other thing is, and a final thought uh, in, in terms of action items is <clears throat> there is a, a, a thing called my, uh, mindfulness, the practice of mindfulness. Mm -hmm. And there is a, a, a course through the great courses by a, a, a professor out of, uh, I can't remember the name of the university right now, but it is about mindlessness versus mindfulness. Mm -hmm. His name is Mark Musi, M-U-E-S-S-E. -E. And you can just go on Amazon and look for the great courses and, and find the course on mindfulness. But essentially, here's what it talks about. During the course of the day, we're working with other people, and we're working in a variety of environments, and we're dealing with a lot of BS, and we know it. Um, but there's a dialogue that's going on in our head all day long. Mm -hmm. And this is the mindless state. This comes from when we were primitives and we had to assess at every moment, is this a threat? Is that a threat? And so we're, we're hardwired folks. We are hardwired to judge. Mm -hmm. So emotional intelligence means that we begin to pay attention. So I meet you two and I immediately feel threatened because you are smarter. You are more agile. You are more innovative. So then I make this value judgment on whether I like you or not, or whether I want to work with you or not without digging into so, uh, how I'm feeling. So I think the true action items here are to work to label your emotions, to begin to delay gratification, um, to work on um, being curious. And then finally is to pay attention to the, what's going on, the language, the, the verbiage, the, the thoughts. Just because I have a thought doesn't mean I'm right. Right. <laughs> And, and some people just don't, honestly, I think some people don't, don't, don't realize that. They think yeah. that whatever goes through their head must be the voice of God <laughs> telling yeah. them what to do. Uh, Hashtag yeah. Facebook. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, um, you, you know, you've mentioned about doing this emotional intelligence consulting for companies and you've kind of, are these action items that you just gave us sort of like the first step that you lead people through in terms of being more self-aware of their own emotions, or is there something else that you do too to kind of help guide them through that process? Well, in working with companies, there's a few things that I think are really important. 
I think people have to understand their behavior style. I'm a huge fan of the DISC model of behavior. Mm-hmm. And I say that because the three of us could be the exact same personality. We're hardwired. When you come out of the womb, you're just hardwired to have a certain personality. Anybody who's seen 10 babies in a row, you know, they all, we all just have different personalities. But our behavior style comes from a combination of whatever personality we're born with and coupled with the experiences that we have in our lifetime. Mm-hmm. So if you think about it, um, we could have the exact same uh, personality style, but behave in entirely different ways. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important to understand who you are as a person. So self-awareness, to answer your question, yes, I always tell people self-awareness is the first thing. And, and being able to label your feelings in the workplace in particular, because the three big ones in the workplace are anger, fear, and sadness. Mm-hmm. Because think about it. When you feel happy, I don't need to help you manage your emotions. I mean, honestly, it's the most destructive in the workplace are the anger, fear, and sadness. So I always tell people in the work work environment, you really have to begin to focus on what on yourself. It's so easy. Think about it in the workplace. I don't want people focused on other people. I, that's the third step. The first step is just being aware of yourself. Mm-hmm. The second step is being aware of how the mix is, the sw- you know, the, the whole, the Petri dish. What does that look like? Mm-hmm. And then the third one is, of course, you know, being able to look at other people. So like the DISC assessment and kind of like understanding your own personality is kind of like your baseline. It is. It absolutely is. I, okay. I actually, that's one of the first things I do uh, whenever possible. There's some clients who, um, uh, decline that. Mm. And I can tell you that I have had all but one come back and say, yeah, we probably need to do that. <laughs> but, but I would just say to people, it's pretty obvious. I mean, there's some pretty obvious behaviors and we can talk about disc, you know, at another time, but I will say you don't need disc. You don't need to, if you're listening to this, you don't need to know your behavior style to be able to say, I need to begin to label my emotions. I need to begin to be able to say, and, and not you make me mad. It really is giving up so much power when you say, well, she makes me mad or he makes me feel a certain way. Okay. Um, so looking through some of the, the resources on emotional intelligence that you gave us, you talked about um, emotional self-management and you've kind of already touched on sort of learning how to manage your emotion or your responses. But um, like, what are some things that you kind of give to clients to like, what does that mean for them? Like, what does that look like outside of the theory of it, but in practice? So here's some things. So um, in, th- there's some common emotional reactions in the workplace and there's, um, there's five of them really, that I think we all experience. So in the workplace, when I talk about managing your emotions, so frustration is the first one. Uh, I feel trapped. Uh, It it becomes when I feel stuck. Um, I may may not, a colleague may be intentionally or unintentionally blocking my way. And so when when we run into that, typically that's when we start doing some very predictable behavior we're going to badmouth that person. Mm-hmm. We're going to say they're a problem. They're just a butt. They're a difficult boss or a difficult coworker. But I think that, um, you know, these feelings of frustration come from a very legitimate cause in many cases, but our responses in any difficult circumstance, 
the three words that matter, the, the three biggest words that matter is what happens next. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it doesn't matter what you do. You want to be a horse's ass. Okay. But <laughs> what matters is what I did. And so what's my response to that? I can't control you. Even if you're my employee, you can still do what you want. But my response is what matters. So the first one is frustration. So there's, there's three, the three, three big things. There's what, first of all, stop. You know, we don't stop. Again, your IQ just dropped 30 points. Yeah. Yep. You might want to stop. This is what people like me or any speaker that you've ever listened to says, breathe. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> <laughs> for years and years, I thought it was just like a stalling technique. Yeah. Well, then when I began to discover emotional intelligence, I realized, oh my gosh, this is not a stalling technique. This is, you know, to, to, to puff your IQ back up. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, the first one is to just pause and to evaluate what else, again, the curious. Okay. So I, you guys want to do something. And I said, no, not today. Mm-hmm. And you're frustrated. Well, you can either assume why I did that, mm-hmm. or you can say, Okay, what else might be true? You don't even have to talk to me. You might, you might just say, well, okay, did she have something else come up? Or did this happen? Or did that happen? Or maybe she doesn't have all the things she needs. So we have to stop and evaluate what else might be true. And I, I, again, you can take any good advice to a rabbit hole. So this doesn't mean you excuse bad behavior. I don't deal in exceptions. So there's always the exception. There's the crappy boss or the crappy coworker. But I'm talking about in general. Um, the second thing is, what is the universe trying to tell you? Look for the positive here. And I'm not in, I'm, I'm into sugar-free positivity. So okay, <laughs> if, if I'm not talking about like Pollyanna here, but if something happens that sucks, A, what else might be true? But B, what is the universe telling me? Am I not ready? Did I miss something? Is there mm-hmm. some piece of this that, I mean, there have been times when my goals have been thwarted mm-hmm. and I was not happy. But I tried to take my own advice and I said, okay, fine, you know, fine. And I started looking to see, okay, well, what can I do in the meantime? And I realized, oh my gosh, I forgot something. Mm -hmm. So it it actually worked out to my benefit or I was able to make my product even better because of the delay. And then the third thing is to remember, um, you know, uh, stuff happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and so you, you sometimes just have to say, okay, so that's frustration. So, so you want to hear some more? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Give us one more. I'll give you one more. So there's, there's five big ones. So I'll let you pick. So we talked about frustration. There's worry, anger, dislike, and disappointment. Oh, wow. It's like field day. I don't know. Can we just like spin, spin the wheel or something? Okay. Big money, big money, big money. You pick. (laughs) Okay. Arianne. So Arianne picked disappointed. So uh, of all the emotions that you're going to feel like work, uh, feel at work, disappointment and unhappiness is the one that probably impacts your productivity the most. And that's because you, you don't care. You, you, you have hit a point where you're like, fine, great, fine, whatever. And, and you have this sense that, that you, you know, your energy, your physically your energy is low, but emotionally you're like, who cares? It doesn't matter. Nothing matters. Checked so, out. Yeah, you are. And we've all seen people who are checked out. And in many cases, people who have checked out 
have been disappointed. And most of the times they've been disappointed because they tried to be innovative. They tried to be agile. They tried to do the right thing and they got bonked on the head every single time. Mm -hmm. So I think sometimes I tend to make value judgments about crappy attitude employees without asking myself, what else might be true? What's the backstory? Mm-hmm. And so when we experience disappointment, there's, there's two or three things here. I think the first one is, is we have to say to ourselves, again, back to the crap happens, but we have to look at patterns. For me, I don't care about one-off behaviors. We have to look at patterns and, and patterns matter. Mm-hmm. So let, is this a one-off disappointment? Am I just, is this an emotional chain of events and this doesn't happen all the time, but I had a flat tire, hit a dog, you know, stubbed my toe, broke a nail, whatever, and I came in and this thing happened. Mm-hmm. And so it, am I disappointed because it's just this emotional chain of events or is there a pattern? Because patterns matter. Mm-hmm. If we say we want to be agile, but we aren't willing to make changes, then the bigger issue is you're not disappointed in this circumstance. You're disappointed in the pattern. And so you have to actually address something different. And, but emotionally, we're like, oh, my boss just hates me. Right. Well, yeah. maybe that's not it. Maybe it's that the infrastructure of the department or the company is set up in such a way that he can't go around it. Right. And so the infrastructure must be addressed. And so when we have disappointment, we also maybe need to adjust our goals. In many cases, the companies that I work with cannot make the changes. With They think they can do it in six months. And I'm like, are you out of your mind? <laughs> I mean, we're talking about employees who've been somewhere 30, 40 years. Right. You're thinking that you're going to make a culture change in six months. Mm. Sometimes we're disappointed because we set an unrealistic goal and didn't even know it. Yeah. And so I think we have to look at incremental change. And, and so sometimes readjusting the goal. Uh, another thing is, is that we have to look at our role. The big thing that emotional intelligence demands is that we look at the role we play. Mm-hmm. What role did you play in this? Now, sometimes it just might be that you had an expect, unspoken expectation. Mm-hmm. And again, this comes from emotional intelligence is being able to say, oh, hey, I just assumed that my boss would like this job, this this project. Mm-hmm. And then when we go to them and they don't, well, you you don't know what's going on in his world. Maybe he just got chewed out about something that he didn't even do. Mm-hmm. So again, we have to look at, at, at patterns. We have to evaluate our role. And then we have to just recognize that um, our ability to be resilient um, is, is entirely within our control. Mm. I love it. Uh, you jackpotted on picking that one. Yeah. Okay. So for as homogenous as the water sector may appear from the outside, it's actually pretty diverse. Um, a utility manager may be managing folks from a wide range of demographics, socio- socioeconomic situations, education levels. So how can honing in on EQ, empathy, and social dynamics help them be better managers and leaders? Wow. Um, <laughs> like, how much time you got? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, um, okay. So, uh, the, sh- the, the short answer to that very, uh, very long question is that th- in essence, what you've said is you have someone who's working with a whole lot of different people. You've got employees, you've got customers, you've got everybody. So if you're talking about that individual's emotional intelligence, uh, I think that, um, what emotional intelligence does for us is, is there's, there's two or three things. First of all, emotional intelligence provides us with a framework in order to recognize why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling, which then leads into 
why, what am I going to say next? So remember the what happens next? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the emotional intelligence says, um, okay, so I have uh, this customer who's screaming at me about this thing and I want to kick them in the knee. Um, <laughs> but what I, what I have to do is say, I'd, again, back to the curious, I don't know what's going on. Maybe this is a single mom who has no water and she's trying to figure out how to bathe her six kids. I mean, I don't know. And that's a big deal. Or this could be uh, someone who has a farm and and cows and there's no water. I mean, we have to figure out emotional intelligence provides us with this framework to figure out what's going on with the other person. Putting them in your, putting you in their shoes. Exactly. The second thing that it does is it enables me to, to recognize my reactions to your behaviors. Mm -hmm. So you might be my boss who seems to be oblivious to the fact that I'm running three people short and I have this big water leak and I also am trying to get my budgets done and he's, you know, where's my budget? And so, you know, how do you manage that? And it enables you to communicate. You have to couple it with building effective communication. But again, if I'm able to manage my emotions, then I'm, I'm not snapping at my employees. I'm not being, you know, sometimes people, when I talk about the faint, fight, fight, flight, freezer, faint, faint, mm-hmm. it, people don't answer emails. Mm. It's like the fainting goat. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear you. Oh, another email. <laughs> and so, so when we have emotional intelligence, we're able to say, hey, I got your email. I don't have an answer. I'll let you know. Just So we're able to say, okay, how can I manage this without adding to the problem? Yeah. But, but emotional, a lack of emotional intelligence means in many cases we ignore things mm-hmm. and either hope it goes away or that it dies down. And that's just, that's not good management. Yeah. Something you taught me, I think like one of the first days I ever met you was like, if I'm going to email you and you don't have an answer, I need you to just say like, I got it. Mm, I'll get yeah. back with you. Like, just let me know you received it and that you're going to be working on it. And I was like, duh, because I faint on emails all the time, or I used to. And I'm like, duh, like, let them know. It's frustrating when you're on the other end. And, yeah. And you don't know if they ever received anything or, you know, if they're just busy or whatever. So. Well, and this is one of the, this is one of the most overlooked communication strategies in a corporate environment or a municipality Mm -hmm. is the power of email to do good or bad. So it's Mm -hmm. a superpower. You can either use the superpower for good or for bad. And what people think of is, is email is a pain in the the tailpipe. And the the real (laughs) thing is, I'm trying not to swear on your radio show. (laughs) Um, Family friendly. Uh, So Eh, you can let one slip. Okay. Uh, so, so what I always, part of emotional intelligence means I don't like your email. I don't like you. I don't like what you've said. I don't like the circumstance. So, and yet I need to own it. It doesn't feel comfortable. It's annoying. And, and, but I still need to say, Hey, I got your email. I don't know, but, but give me 24 hours. But this is part of, we think if we ignore emails again, they're going to go away. So. (laughs) Yeah. And really like the context of that question in my mind when it came to me was, and you answered this, was just um, stressing the importance of this for for any manager or, you know, any leader or director out there. Because like in our industry, like our our industry is very male dominated and no offense, male listeners, but men are not typically known for their um, 
for their communication or their like, like being able to understand that. And so like, for me, I really wanted to give a reason that didn't give a reason that wasn't like rooted in fluff or anything like that, that can, you guys are legitimately managing these departments that have people from, you know, engineer, grad, scientific level to, you know, the guys out in the field working in wastewater, you know, and you're managing all of these different people and personalities and with different attitudes, beliefs and all of that. And that there's a lot of value in knowing how to, to do that effectively. Well, and so let me tell you, you know, to the point, and I don't disagree, I think, I think all too often it's uncomfortable to think about gender differences in communication and in emotional intelligence. But when I talk about emotional intelligence, I'm not talking about touchy-feely, warm, fuzzy. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to be hugging kittens and, you know, let's all <laughs> put flowers in our hair. This isn't about that because th- what this is about is about mastery. Mm-hmm. I will tell you there's two things I care about, and that's power and control but it's power and control over my own damn self. And I think if we think about it from the perspective of if you go into work and you are easily, you know, you're easily stressed. If people can easily push your buttons, if you can't uh, manage all the moving parts, emotional intelligence can make you more powerful. Mm -hmm. Emotional intelligence can make you stronger. And what man or woman on the planet doesn't want to be more powerful and stronger? I mean, I really want to be, um, you know, uh, able to to have mastery. It helps you fight the right battles. Mm -hmm. You know, it helps you know when you're having a peanut butter and jelly fight. I want to be a good leader. I want to be a good leader. Well, it's not like, I mean, think about it, uh, girls. Nobody wakes up in the morning saying, God, I hope I, hope I totally suck today. <laughs> I hope that I am the worst manager, the worst leader. I hope that I screw everything up I, talk, I, I work with. Mm-hmm. What we wake up is we're laying in bed going, oh, dear sweet baby Jesus, please let me have a good day. I just hope today's a good day. I don't know about y'all, but hope isn't a strategy. Yeah. Right. Hope, hope is great. But it's not a strategy. So what can I do to control myself and to gain power over my responses? So this is really about, I want to win. I like to win. You guys know that. It isn't about being right. It's about making the right decisions at the right time in the right place with the right people. But if I can't control how I feel, I can't stop how I feel. Mm -hmm. But if I can control it and my responses to it, it just makes me better, faster, smarter, stronger. And I don't think, again, to your point about men, I don't think there's a man on the planet that doesn't want to be more or a woman either. Well, and it was, and it definitely was not meant to be a dig when I not, it definitely wasn't meant to be a dig when I, when I say that, I just know that sometimes when like context of words, you know, like. You're 100% correct though. Men tend to diminish the power of emotional intelligence because of the word emotional. Well, and they don't, and you know, it may not even be clear as to what exactly that meant. And so, you know, I think about some of the leaders who I respect the most and learn the most and, you know, feel as being mentored by, and I, I know for a fact now having heard you spell this out, that they're incredibly emotionally intelligent and they're just so purposeful and, and you can tell when you interact with them and engage with them, like you can, they're so present and yes. just so mindful of what you're saying, what they're saying, what they look like, you know, like, are they making a weird face while they're thinking or, you know, like, so. <laughs> I bet you also find that they're level. Oh, yeah. You don't have to worry about what, and this is the biggest 
I mean, honestly, in the workplace, and I see it literally around the country, uh, the the mood thing. What kind of a mood? What kind of a day are they having? Oh, yeah. You know that impacts productivity at a level. I mean, just cha-ching. There's just money out the door right there, and yeah. it's crazy. So you're exactly right. You're gonna now that you know what it is, you can say, "Oh, they were really emotionally intelligent." Yeah. yeah. Which, uh, which is good because one of them that it comes to mind is George Hawkins. And he's the one that I first heard talk about the IQ EQ equation. So I'm glad that he's extremely emotionally intelligent <laughs> because he presented to an entire room full of people on it. And I'm like, ah, hashtag you know that actually, uh, There are some studies that have actually demonstrated uh, or indicated that emotional intelligence, e- EQ, can be more important than IQ the ability Mm. to play well with others. Because, I mean, again, I get paid to go in and help people play well with others. So imagine if people work together well, uh, the productivity is off the charts. Well, that was a great segue into my next question because it's about conflict. And so, you know, you've already talked about you have like the two extremes of either being extremely aggressive or passive. um, And Conflict just makes people uncomfortable. It stifles productivity. It can be like the death rattle for employee morale. So like what are um, what are some important action items that people can take in terms of like relationship management when you have some conflict going on? So I think the first thing that people need to recognize is that disagreement shouldn't mean that we don't like each other. Mm. We are an emotionally stunted society that has lost the ability to engage in civil discourse. And so I think that we have to begin to step away from the idea that if you and I don't agree on something that I, you know, I must hate you now, mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. I, you know, uh, pull out the serial killer and, you know, <laughs> so I think the first thing is disagreement, dissent doesn't necessarily mean dislike. Mm-hmm. And I think the second thing that we have to see say is that acknowledgement isn't agreement. So I think that 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 when we we have conflict, we we first have to begin. I mean, think about this. Okay, the three of us are we're, and on the flip side of not wanting to slam men, I'm not going to try and compartmentalize women, but we all have heard you know the mean girl syndrome that happens in the workplace. So the three of us get together and we just don't like each other. So um, these kind of conflicts come, usually come from uh, misunderstandings. So yeah. I, I think the action items include we, we have to recognize that we don't have to like each other to work together. All right. Because when my emotional intelligence is slow, and let's say I don't like you, Stephanie, then I'm not going to answer your emails. I'm not going to support you. I'm not going to give you information. I'm going to withhold information. I'm going to sabotage you. I'm going to badmouth you. Um, all of these things, but that's because my emo IQ is low. But if I have good emo IQ, mm-hmm. I don't have to like you because all I do is measure performance and I will have enough emotional intelligence to not nitpick. So I think um, we don't like conflict, but what happens when we do disagree? Being able to raise your emotional intelligence means the three of us who, let's say we each three have different answers to the same solution. I honestly believe that we live in a world where different people, reasonable people can come to different conclusions about the same thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, it, and I think if we can say, help me understand how you, being curious, help me understand how you got there. Help me understand the chain of logic 
that led you to this. Help me understand how you see this turning out. But what happens is when our emo IQ is low and you disagree with me, and we have a conflict of some kind, I can't even look at you. <laughs> I can't, your breathing bothers me. And so this is why I think in this case, women need to work, believe it or not, I think women need to work on their emo IQ Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Men do. Because men men are able to work with the devil, by and large. What men will do is they will yell. Men will explode, and then they're done. Mm -hmm. Well, most other men are like, yeah, okay, fine. But women are like, oh, my God, he's yelling. And so I think if women worked on their emo IQ first, we keep waiting for men to fix themselves. And, (laughs) you know, it's like I tell people, just stop it. Just if we each work on ourselves, that's what matters. Mm-hmm. So uh, the short answer is it's important for all uh, employees to recognize that conflict resolution is critical because what happens in a culture, it's, it's cancer if you don't address conflict mm-hmm. because what happens is it will simmer. Uh, even with men and women, um, everybody's going to remember that thing you did and nobody, you know, it's the elephant in the room or it's you don't earn trust back or when we don't talk about the different ways we have of doing things. And again, it's so ironic to me that we say we want to be innovative, but no, wait, I don't want to change anything. Yeah. Wait, you want me to change something? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I want you to be innovative and agile, but in the context of how we've always done things. Yeah. 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 I feel like, man, that is, that is so true about, um, I mean, I've experienced that with, with women before and, um, and it's frustrating because I just want to get a job done and, but I, I recognize you have an expertise and I want to showcase that and use that. And like, that's not, that's not what they were thinking, you know? No, because with low emo IQ, I'm not going to ask what else might be true. Yeah. You've threatened me. I just naturally am going to assume that you want my job. You want my, yeah. you want the credit, you want whatever. And think about this with low emo IQ, I must get credit for that yeah. thing I did. How but as get, Sorry. No, you go. I was going to say like, how do we get past that? Um, when you're, you know, if you're in different departments or if you're in, you know, different, even just different like organizations and you're having to work together. I mean, is it as simple as like going up to that person and just having that conversation with them? Um, Cause I can tell you that. So are we talking about people getting credit for things? I need a specific, um, what are we really talking about here? We're talking about, let's say like two women, they're in different, um, let's just say they're in two different departments. Um, and one clearly has a problem with the other, um, and in in woman B who doesn't have a problem with her just wants to use her. How not does, use her? Not, <laughs> not use her. <laughs> wrong word. Problem, not use her, but engage work with, with her work with and use her talents use and her skills talent. together. And so I, have, I have three questions. So first of all, have you had a personal conversation with this person about? Okay about this. So, so first of all, let's say I want to work with you and you don't like me for whatever reason. Hey, Susie, I would really love to go to coffee. I want to talk about this project and I, I want to be sure that I, uh, you know, I need your input, blah, blah, blah. And don't go into too much detail, but let's go to coffee and say, you know, I have a sense and just own it. Yeah. You know, um, 
Arianne, I have a sense that we got off on the wrong foot. And for that, I apologize. And so I just want to get to know you a little bit. I want to explain the project and I want to get your your thoughts, what concerns you may have, what questions you may have, whatever. Because what tends to happen with your personality style, your behavior style, to be true, is you have made a decision about an idea, you see the end game, you just want to get from point A to point B, mm-hmm. and you know how to get there, and you want her help to get there. Yeah. But she's maybe a different behavior style, and she has tons of questions. She's unsure of who you are. She's unsure of what's going on with you. So it may not even be low emo IQ on her part. Yeah. It may be a, a, a lack of a, a communication on your part to help her understand yeah. where we're going. So I would say personal conversations, face-to-face conversations, difficult, uncomfortable conversations mm-hmm. that we all try to avoid are the ones that, that make the most forward progress and save the most time. Think about this. Really, we, we want to we wanna go faster, but then we, we avoid doing the very thing that breaks the wall down to make us go yeah. faster. Yeah, I am glad that you broke that down that simple because I know that's an experience that a lot of people have um, in their in their daily work life. And I mean, we talked to one of our guests, Tom Hickman, who said, who kind of gave us that that's that's exactly what he did. Hey, I'm going to tap this guy on the shoulder and say, Hey, let's go grab a beer, let's go grab a drink, and and just talk about this. Like, well, and let me say, and I'm sure this is a whole other show, but. But the good old boys club is not a secret. Women think it is, but it's three words, men helping men. And they help each other with little or no regard to whether they like each other. Mm -hmm. They just keep track. Well, women confuse business with philanthropy. So if I help you, oh my gosh, I just did it because it's the right thing to do. But in the back of my mind, I'm keeping score. You owe me but I don't ever come and ask you. So it's this unspoken resentment. It's this unspoken expectation. And if women just broke it down to the raw, again, it goes back to EMIQ. It's so much easier to blame the man for this good old boys thing than instead of owning and taking, retaking our power and enacting our own good old boys club. So that's my opinion. That's all yeah, it's good for. Definitely. Uh, yeah, definitely could do a whole episode on that one. But yeah, I think it all just seems to come down to like owning it and just um, like kind of starting internally first, whether it's like knowing your own emotional intelligence or dealing with conflict and seeing what's really going on, if it's really you. And then, I mean, the, the conversation that Arianne's referencing with our, one of our guests, Tom Hickman was um, probably one of the most uncomfortable conversations I've ever, not like the one between us and him, but the, when him telling us about the one that he had with this uh, member of the community who, I mean, kind of almost hated him mm-hmm. and yeah. has now through that personal connection and relationship has now like this person is one of his biggest advocates and supporters in the they community because they are interacted on a human level and, and talked through it. And I feel like now, you know, some of the things that Arianne's saying, and I'm thinking of some of the own, my own, um, active, awkward, difficult conversations Mm -hmm. that I probably, you know, didn't have and should have that could have solved a lot of problems. You know, now I'm like, I have no reason to ever be afraid to do 
to do any of that because if Tom Hickman can bring this dude to go grab a beer who hated him and see that outcome. And that doesn't mean that everything is going to end with, you know, in that no. way, but like that initial, how much courage it took to be able to initiate that conversation. And just if, if the possibility of that conclusion is a possibility, like I think it's 100% worth it every time to try. Well, I want you to think about why we don't have those conversations because we're un, we're emotionally we have a low emo IQ and I don't want to feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I don't want to what what if she's what if I take her to lunch and she says she hates me and she doesn't want to do it and she thinks I'm stupid and I'm whatever. What if? What if? What if? But you know that's my low emo IQ. So having the you can measure how your emo IQ grows with your ability to have a successful not successful resolution necessarily, but a successful conversation. Yeah. And like he let this guy essentially vent and just kind of go off on him. And then after that, instead of he he asked the question, now what? Yeah. He's like, okay, I, you know, I, I hear you. And it, he didn't take it as an opportunity to say, well, that's not true. And that's not true. And I'm not this way. He was like, okay, I hear you. But like, now what? what? What's next? Like, how can we move forward now? And this now? is why words mean things. And so I, I just was doing a, a webinar yesterday for a global client. And the biggest thing I said, and you just nailed it, it's, it's okay. I hear what you're saying. And now what? Yeah. What happens next? And so when you ask people, what do you think a successful resolution to this would be? What do you, and, and again, to Arianne's meeting what are your concerns help me understand your reluctance well maybe her experience is someone used her expertise before and didn't give her credit Mm. or maybe someone misquoted her or maybe somebody um took her idea and ran with it and she never heard from i mean so see we don't know what's what's true we just know what we're inferring here's my opinion and this is all it's going for i'm concerned about companies that don't think emo iq is important Okay, so tell me, tell me why it isn't important. A tool that can help each individual employee retake their personal power and how they deal with other people. How could that not be important? I mean, you, we buy, think about what companies invest in. Okay, let's buy everybody, let's send everybody to a webinar and let's buy all these books and, and let's, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, but the reality is, is it's back on, any listener who's listened to this, I gave action items at the beginning. So now they know. Now they know what are so so if we begin to retake our power and our personal responsibility, I'm more concerned with companies that don't think e- emotional intelligence is important. Yeah. Um well I'm gonna let Ariane get into the um our little wrap-up question. Wrap up, fire round, whatever you want to call it. Um okay, Sarah Zink. I want to know what book uh, you are reading these days. What's your favorite one that you can recommend to us? Okay, so I read multiple books at one time, and I take 10 minutes a day to read, uh, or 20 minutes a day, and I read two or three minutes out of each book. So what I am reading right now is Women Who Run With the Wolves. I'm reading The Myth of Male Power, which is a fabulous book about how we – as women have misunderstood the concept of how men, men's power. Uh, we, it's, it's a wonderful book for women to read. Uh, and I'm also reading A Passion for, Lead, a Passion for Leadership. And then um, uh, my most recent book is called You Are a Badass. 
Oh, yes. I have that. Yes. Yeah, she doesn't have as many. See, the problem is with, with that book in particular is there's not as many action items as I'd like to see. Okay. I like, again, and of course, you know, always the, um, I love reading 20 Tips for Power Chicks. Yeah, of course. 20 <laughs> Tips for Power Chicks, written by That's the right. one and only Sarah Zink. The one and only. So, and I encourage people to read. I, I read online most of the time, but I like to highlight and underscore books. So, like I say, I try to set aside 10 or 20 minutes a day to, to read. Well, besides that, then what, um, what is something that you do every day to increase your productivity? I keep meticulous track of my time. Uh, I do it. I've done it for years. Mm -hmm. I have my, my calendar. Yeah. Okay, so my paper calendar, I have a regular schedule calendar so we can send email invites all over the world, you know, all over the place. But on my paper calendar, if I go to the store, if I play, I happen to like words with friends, if I, anything I do more than 15 minutes goes on my calendar. Nice. And the reason I do that is because what matters are patterns. So, okay, we may have a blow off day. All right, great. But what did I do? I mean, I don't know about you, but I can always make more money but I can't make more time. Yeah. And so if I don't pay attention to the patterns of how I'm spending my time, mm. my productivity goes to hell. Yeah. yeah. You don't yeah. realize you're on Facebook, you know, two hours a day until you start tracking it. <laughs> I set a timer. Mm -hmm. I have an egg timer. Yeah. And I, I set a timer for how much time I can spend on, 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 Things like on that. Facebook. Yeah. But again, Facebook's gotten so volatile. I just want to check on a few people, right. you know, we have people around the country and, you know, um, and I don't, I actually got in trouble with a friend the other day for not liking or commenting on her post. <laughs> Go figure. So anyway, keep track of your time. That's, that's the biggest Perfect. thing I can say to people about productivity. All right. So, um, Arianne and I, and you are both passionate about action. Uh, we've talked a lot about action items and we believe that action can be contagious. Um, <laughs> hopefully in a good way. So, you know, often too many times in bad ways, but what's the call to action that you're most passionate about that you believe can change the world? I wish I could make it super short, but I'm going to try and keep it uh, about 60 seconds here. So I think that we have one precious life and we don't realize that. And so uh, the call to action is to recognize that life is short and that stop bitching and do. If you don't like the political environment, then make sure you're voting. Make sure that you encourage other people to vote. If you don't like what's going on in your neighborhood, then get involved. If you think that we should all be more recycling, well then recycle. I mean, what can you do? The problem is, is I think our human nature is to bitch and moan and bellyache, and we believe that that's action, and it's not. It is, it is just air. And so I don't want to hear what you think. I want to see what you think. Mm. Yeah, I like that. Love it. That's awesome. Nice. You're the best, Sarah. Yes. I'm just trying to keep up with you two. Well, uh, I, I hope everyone enjoyed this conversation because we definitely did. And I know just based on knowing you that it won't be the last one that we have. So looking forward to um, diving into all of the other topics that we love talking to you about, but we thank you for spending uh, some time with us today my and uh, look forward to the next one. You bet. It's my pleasure. 
Thanks for spending some time with us today. Be sure to visit the h2duo.com forward slash water in real life for the show notes. We timestamp them for you and we include links to any of the resources we mentioned during the podcast. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for our email list. I promise we don't bug you. We just let you know when podcasts are released. And, you know, we only send something out when we have something legit to say. If you're an iTunes listener, do us a solid and rate and review us there. And hey, now we're on Spotify, so you can follow us there if that's your jam. You can also keep up with us and our shenanigans on Instagram and Twitter at the underscore H2 duo. Shout out to our sponsor for this episode, Drop Counter. Imagine H2O brought us together, and it's been awesome to collaborate with them on communication initiatives. Learn more about them and what they have going on at theh2duo.com forward slash Drop Counter. And be sure to sign up for their mailing list because it is also legit. We hope you learned something new today, got a little different perspective, or did something that moved you one step closer to your goals. Until next time, remember what one of our favorite quotes says. Those who tell the stories rule the world. 